0: How are we doing today, Wolfpack fans? This is Pack Center, your favorite Nevada sports podcast. It is your host, Austin Paschke, joined with my co-host, Tyler Seth. It is a great day to be alive, great day to be on campus for Pack Sports. It is even greater because tomorrow, Saturday at 5 p.m. in El Paso, Texas, our Nevada Wolfpack football team will be taking on UTEP, University of Texas, at El Paso. We are traveling to the Sun Bowl, playing them in their own stadium. The game will be on ESPN3 if you cannot make it, make the trip. I mean, who doesn't want to go to El Paso, right?
1: It's a lovely place, I've heard. I've heard (sighs) only great things. Never
0: been. We are not going to go on Saturday. We'll be watching from the comfort of our own couch. But it will be on ESPN3 at 5 p.m. This might
1: well be the worst football team we face all year is Saturday. I think that's a uh, an overstatement. Yeah. They I, definitely are the worst football team we face all year.
0: I think so. I think Weber State would go into the Sun Bowl and whoop them uh, handedly, the team we played last last week. But, you know, keep on keeping on. Maybe this will be a learning week for us. We could practice some new things, kind of hone in our offense that has been struggling a little bit, and maybe we can move on to Hawaii after this and uh, see where we go. Uh, Coach Dana Demel is in his second year at UTEP. He's kind of in, still in a rebuilding slump, kind of rebuilding year. Two years ago, they f- they failed to won- win a game. Last year, they won one.
1: I think rebuilding is a very generous word at the yeah. pace they're going at. Yes.
0: So they won one last year, uh, zero two years ago, but they already matched their win total. They are one and one on the season. They had a nail-biter against Houston Baptist University. They won 36-34 before going to Texas Tech. And getting smacked around 38 to three. Hey, not as bad as uh, Oregon to us, though.
1: No, yeah, that's it. When you were reading that score, I was thinking in my head, I was like, well, they could have scored 77. Yeah.
0: So you know what? There's that's pretty impressive. All right, uh, going going to Texas Tech, only losing to, by 35. Oh, it's only uh, five touchdowns.
1: It's not bad. It's not terrible.
0: So the uh, Sagarin ratings and the ESPN Power ratings both have UTEP as the second worst team in all of the FBS. I think they're ahead of UMass. Really? Yeah. So and they're one and one. Yeah. So you're
1: telling me there's 0 and 2 teams that, that are, are better, better than this team? Yes,
0: they're they're real
1: bad. I don't believe it for a second.
0: They're real bad. <laughs> Last season they completed less than half of their total passes. They threw 19 interceptions compared to their t- 10 touchdowns. So it seems like they're throwing the ball to the other team more than their own team, uh, last year at least. This season, like we said, they are 1-1 one one with a home win against Houston Baptist and a away loss to Texas Tech. Definitely a hard game against Texas Tech. Can't say the same about Houston Baptist, but we'll give them the benefit of the doubt they did get that dub. During the HBU game, Houston Baptist, they won 36-34. They ran the ball 46 times for 240 yards and three TDs, so a lot of production on the ground. They threw the ball only 20 times, completed 10 of those passes for 268 yards and only one TD. One of them was like an 85-yard like breakaway pass, so that's where they got most of the yards. They threw 50% for the game. Their star running back last year, though, Quadraz Wadley, is out for the season due to a toe injury. He had to have surgery, so he hasn't been with them all season. He was their star last year. This is still a really run-heavy team due to their quarterback, which might match up well for us. Speaking of that QB position, Brandon Jones is reportedly their starter. Kai Loxy had a little bit of a legal trouble, legal issue over the, uh, the summer, so they haven't been starting him. But he started last year. They've been kind of doing like a two-quarterback rotation, at least for Texas Tech, that is. And they have been doing... All right, I guess. Um, no, I'm not gonna share a They're not. They haven't been doing all
1: right. Yeah, no, it's it's no. okay.
0: Yeah, I'm not gonna share a quote for you guys. Over the first two games, they're con- they have combined for a whopping 43% completion rating. Woo! Give them a little round, <laughs> round of applause. <laughs> <laughs> Jones went 10 for 20, throwing 268 yards, one TD and one INT during that high-scoring game against Houston Baptist. Kai got into the game against Texas Tech. Kinda, They both struggled in that game, in the Texas Tech game. They didn't do so hot. They stuck to the run game, but again, kind of got shut down by Texas Tech's defense. They rank 116th in passing offense with 161 yards per game. So they are they don't throw the ball at all. No. Much,
1: no. Which I'm, is good for us. I'm very surprised that Kai is even playing this year. I remember preseason we were kind of talking about him. Um, and I know I was very skeptical of whether he'd be playing because of his legal issues that he had over the summer, but it's always good to give the kid another chance, you know, second chances are all we're about here at Nevada. Oh
0: yeah. And uh, (laughs) yeah. Second chances, you know, last chance you, they call us.
1: Yeah, definitely. We're the, (laughs) we're the new hub of college football. (laughs) No, but yeah, this, this team could not throw the ball. I mean, if I think that's one of my favorite stats is the one last year where they threw 19 picks and, 10 touchdowns, yeah. I think that's probably one of my favorite stats we've ever had on this on this podcast, for sure. Um, but, yeah, just not good this year throwing the football. Run heavy, and it kind of looks starting to look like a Weber State-type team. Super run heavy, not throwing the ball a lot. So, hopefully this matchup will be very good for Nevada. Yeah,
0: against Texas Tech, they ran for 77 yards, and they passed for 54 yards the entire game against Texas Tech. So, I mean, not good on either attempts, but they did run the ball a little bit more. They had 38 run attempts. They only threw the ball 19 times against Texas Tech. So definitely they like to keep the ball on the ground, which is a great sign for our defense with our strong front seven and our secondary that's been kind of slacking a little bit. But we will get into our defense a little bit later. Their running back is... Okay, they're solid. Uh, it's the backup from last year. Trayvon Hughes had a solid game against HBU. He rushed 23 times for 150 yards, two TDs, but when they went up against Texas Tech, like I said, they had a little bit of a different story. He had 10 rushes for 29 yards. No touchdowns obviously in that game. Behind Hughes is Josh Fields, who had a, who had 61 yards on seven rushes against HBU but couldn't seem to find a running lane against Texas Tech where he ran the ball 14 times for 30 yards. Again, no touchdowns. Josh Fields has yet to have a touchdown in the first two games. Trayvon Hughes has kind of been getting that touchdown presence for them, getting their scores up there. Even though they are a primarily run-heavy team, I don't think these two rushers are something that we have to really be scared of.
1: I'm not super concerned about the running backs, I mean, you see no. the stat line. It's an impressive stat line. Right. 23 rushes, a buck 50, a couple touchdowns. You'd like to see those touches down a little bit for 150, but um, still a, overall a solid stat line. It's just the level of competition they were playing in Houston Baptist isn't the best. So we're hoping definitely with our front seven, it'd be a whole different story about you know running lanes and you know just trying to find holes. I don't think they'll find much on Saturday.
0: Well, I mean, when you're getting when you're getting the ball 23 times in one game, I mean, against uh, Houston Baptist, they, they ran the ball 46 times against that team. I mean, when you're running the ball that much, you want to get some yardage. I mean, the only way you're running that ball is if you get s- at least some yardage. You're not going three and out on every possession. So 23 times for 150 yards for Trayvon Hughes and two TDs is pretty impressive but their wide receivers is a complete opposite of their running back situation. Not much to worry about here at all. UTEP doesn't return a single receiver that had more than 10 catches last year, which is a crazy stat. Treshawn Wolf, which is probably one of the coolest names I've heard in a really long time, is the only minor with more than three catches in a game this season. No one has had more than three catches on their team in a single game. Wow yeah, they it's like a more it's more like a wide receiver by committee. like five or six of them will have like one one catch or so, a couple of them will have two and then Trashawun Wolf had three against Houston Baptist. So it's I mean they really try to go by committee. They do not pass the ball a lot guys. when we say they don't pass, we mean they literally do not pass the ball. He does have impressive numbers though. he had 96 yards. One touchdown on two catches. Oh, okay. So he had three catches against Texas Tech. He had two catches against Houston Baptist for 96 yards and a touchdown. That was the eighty-five. I'm assuming, yard. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna was say I'm eight.
1: assuming one of those was the big yes, ball downfield. Yeah,
0: yeah. So like we said, but that's again good for our defense. If they don't have a glaringly bad like really, really good wide receiver, then our secondary will be able to relax a little bit and hopefully play better than than they have been as of late. I mean that second half of Weaver State, they did really well, but It'll be good to see them play a team like this where they don't have, you know, one really dominant wide receiver. Yeah, definitely. Finally. Yeah, and then their O line. This may be the only strong suit in their entire team. They returned four out of the five starters they had last year, eighty eight career starts from its two thousand eighteen line, which is pretty impressive. They have some veteranness coming back. They have been good on the run game, but they have only in two games they have let up six sacks already, which is might have a field day. Don Peterson might be might be owning up for a big day come Saturday. And, Licking his chomps, right, pregame. Right, and Gabe Sewell, like we will touch on later, move to the outside backer position on Weber State. Hopefully he'll be able to stay there, maybe blitz him a little bit, get some sacks there. So even though this O-line is experienced, they definitely have holes. So that is good as well. How do you think this offense stacks up against our defense? I think I think it stacks up well. I think we're going to have a really good game.
1: I mean, I think it's another kind of repeat of Weber State. Yeah. You have... Just not as good. Yeah, yeah. just the tier below that exactly definitely yeah. um but yeah I just I think it's the battle of the front sevens again I mean our front seven versus their linebacking core running back and uh halfback you know it's going to be very interesting um I think a big key for our defense though this week is going to be not to is going to be to watch out for that play action pass because they're they might get lulled to sleep lulled to sleep yeah then you have that play-action pass where that 85-yard bomb is going to be thrown, and they score a quick six. Uh, that definitely can happen this week for Nevada, but I think with the experience of our linebacking core and you know some of the games that have uh, the newer guys gotten under their belt, I really think that uh, they'll step up, and I think this is a match made in heaven for the Nevada defense.
0: Yeah, especially what happened against Weber State, how well we played defense in that game. I think this is going to match up for another kind of situation like that And they're not as good. So I can see our defense just completely shutting it down on these guys. I could see them not even scoring a touchdown. Wow. Yeah. I mean, even if they do, maybe one, I don't know. I don't see them scoring a lot of points with how they have. Because even though Weber State runs the ball, they did incorporate some passing. And I just don't think that UTEP will be able to pass on us at all with their quarterback position. The way they do it in the the two-quarterback committee is kind of weird. So I don't know.
1: I don't I don't I don't see them passing the ball. I don't even see them scoring. That's a bold statement. I see them scoring. I don't think it's more than 7 or 3, but I, I can see them knocking a field goal getting pretty close. Right. But yeah, it's going to be a it's going to be a long day for these running backs I think if so. everything holds true this week.
0: They're going to get a lot of action, but un, but fortunately for us, they're going to run right into the strict defense of the Wolfpack. On their defensive side of the ball, not much better. They rank 114th in passing defense. They allow 290 yards passing per game, ranks 98th in pass defense efficiency, and they rank 53rd in rush defense, giving up 128 yards per game. So a little bit better in their running defense than they are their passing defense, which is interesting because four of their five DBs are upperclassmen they only have one DB that's uh underclassmen the rest are upper so you have they have some experience but yet they are they are getting torched through the air which means Carson Strong might have a huge game good run defense held Houston Baptist to 113 rushing yards compared to their 300 passing yards that they had which is kind of a crazy Stat line held Texas Tech to 160 rushing yards compared to 264 passing yards. So, I mean, they held them to 160, but it could have been a lot worse, I feel like.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: So the run defense, I mean, it's it's a lot better than their pass defense, but still nothing to write home about. Their D-line runs a three-man front. Their best pass rusher from last year is gone. He transferred to Sam Houston State, leaving Denzel Chukukulu. kulu Solid, Chakukulu. There you go, Denzel Chakukulu. We're gonna have to, to hear that place. one over the loudspeakers yes. on
1: Saturday for
0: yep. sure. Yeah, is gonna take his place. He has six total tackles in the year, one sack, and one forced fumble. Pretty good stat line from him. Solid. Yeah, he's uh, he's doing he's doing work for them. But that's really the only, about the only bright spot on their D line that they have. Their linebacker crew they have a solid group, but just a lot of inexperience. They lose their two top backers from last year. Their best linebacker right now is Jason Van Hook, who played in one game the past 2 years, so not much experience at all, but he is proving to be their best linebacker. He has 6 total tackles and 1 sack on the season. Their leading linebacker, which is Jason, ranks 5th on the team in total tackles. The first 4 are DBs. So It's kind of like our team. <laughs> yeah. Their DBs are flying up to make those tackles, man.
1: Another awesome name here, Jason with a Y, Van Hook. I yeah. think this this team might Although they might be towards the bottom right. of FBS in terms of talent, their top, names yeah. might be up there in yeah. the top ranks. They're they up there. You know what? That's
0: something to hang your hat on. All right. Yeah. They're recruiting for names. They're like, I don't. We don't need talent. We need talent. names. We need names. Who's right gonna now? remember
1: the talent when you have amazing names?
0: Oh God. Yeah. Well, we'll see how that works out on Saturday when the Wolfpack come in there. There are DBs like we said. Four of the five are upperclassmen. They have experience, but they are struggling. Really, really bad. They allow teams seventy percent to complete seventy percent of their passes. They're, like I said, their top five tacklers for them are DBs. this This defense is looking strong, but they don't they can't stop the pass to save their life. I mean, seventy percent of their passes are being completed. That's crazy. I think Carson Strong's gonna have a big day,
1: I think so too. I mean, in defenses like this where you're giving up a lot of passing yards, it's not uncommon to see the DBs get most of those tackles yeah. because they are getting torched downfield and they right. have to make a tackle if they can. Um but yeah, 70% of passes is just unheard of right. in any football like I mean if ranks. you're if you're
0: completing like around like 55 to 60% of your passes, maybe like 65 That's a great day. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great day throwing the ball. I'd
1: say 60 to 65, you're having a real good day. Even, like, 55 is, like, kind of an average to good day.
0: Yeah. But both the teams they played, the average of them, uh, they completed 70% of their passes. So that's that's crazy. But their run defense, even though they are the strong point, quote-unquote, they still have struggled. They're counting on their DBs to come make the tackles. And if we do air this team out a little bit with Carson Strong and, you know, maybe we see Malik Henry, you know, Christian Solano, maybe a little bit. I think we can pound the ball with Toa and really take advantage of their inexperience up front.
1: Yeah, I think this defense is stronger than their offense, but that's really not saying much for this team. I think that um, I think you're exactly right. I think Carson can definitely air the ball out. And then once they're pretty spread out, you know, give Toa a couple of those draws, a couple of those runs up the middle, have him break open, um, have Jackson make some runs, have Kelton make some runs. Yeah. All three of them have been playing, you know, pr- very well this season. So it's it's good to see that. Um, all of them get touches, all of them playing well. And I think that just keeps on going this week.
0: Well, we, as a group, Nevada has been struggling a little bit on the offensive side of the ball. To say the least, we ranked 70th in passing offense with 234 yards per game. Our offensive struggles, I think, are coming from not only the quarterback position, but mainly the union up front. Our O-line is really hurting us. We've averaged 19.7 points per game, which is ranked 113th in college football. Keep in mind, guys, there's only 130 teams in the FBS.
1: Yeah, that's, a lot. that's down so there.
0: I mean, we're ranked 113th. There's I mean there's only 17 teams that are worse than us in scoring the ball putting the ball in the end zone. So that is not that's something that we need to fix because we we can't be winning games in the Mountain West putting up 19
1: points. No, it's it's very bad and a lot of that comes from we can't finish drives. We saw a lot of that during Weber State. We've yep. seen a lot of it. In spots earlier in the year, but yeah. I think Weber State was kind of everyone's eye-opening, right. we-need-to-finish drives kind of moment uh, where we could have easily scored 30 on that team but had to settle for a couple field goals here and there. So definitely something that they need to do this week um, to kind of get them out of this rut they've been in.
0: We can't finish drives. You literally took the words right out of my mouth. We can't convert in the red zone. Fourth worst conversion rate in the FBS. Fourth worst we are literally the bottom of the bottom in red zone conversion to get the ball in the end zone. We have just two TDs in the red zone from nine trips in our first three games. And both those TDs came in Purdue against Purdue. We didn't we in the end zone or in the red zone, we couldn't punch it in against Weber State. Obviously couldn't punch it in against Oregon. I mean, from that Purdue game, our offense looked decent in that second half. What do you think has happened? From then to now, was it playing Oregon? Was it like now we're playing with our tail between
1: our legs? I don't, Because I, I don't know what's going on. So you think that would have disappeared by the Weber State game right. if they did have that kind of mentality. Um, a lot of it, yeah, like you're talking about, a lot of it is the union. Uh, they haven't really stepped up this year. It's been kind of shady pass blocking here and there. And for a young quarterback trying to get his legs under him, especially the first few weeks. It'd be good to have a pocket that he can kind of stand in for a few seconds, kind of take make his reads, and then make a play downfield. Uh, even if that is just hitting a check down, it's a smart play. We've seen him do it a lot, and I think we've seen him do it more than Carson definitely wants to. I think he really hasn't had a time in the pocket, so he's finding those check downs early in his reads uh, because he has to because the pocket's collapsing, or yeah. we've seen him scramble and kind of throw on the run. Uh, the two interceptions he did have against Weber State were both kind of on the run, getting out of the pocket, just trying to do something with the football. Obviously, that's the interceptions aren't the Union's fault. Carson still didn't make the best decisions on those throws, but it's something that if he would have had a pocket, maybe he doesn't try to force that ball downfield. It's a, it's a, you know, it's a lot of different things. But um, honestly, I don't know how they're going to fix the red zone issue. I think it's, I don't know if it's a mental thing. I don't know if it's play calling, but that definitely has to get fixed this week. And is I think it
0: might be something, too, to look at is maybe calling the plays to where it is going to be a, a designed quick pass, and it is designed to get the ball out of his hands quickly, because our O-line is struggling. Ten sacks in three games. I mean, is it time for a personnel switch? Is it because I don't know, it, I mean, you might be having to move some people around, we have a lot of inexperience on the line, but that's, a, that's the other thing, is like, if it's a personnel change, who do we put in there in place of some of the veterans that we do have, because our O-line is struggling, he doesn't have much time in the, the pocket at all, and, you know, it's just, our offense needs to wake up, and this might be the game to do it, so you never know, and Jay Norvell did say that we might be seeing some other quarterbacks in the game for this game, so...
1: Maybe Saturday's the time that we see uh, Malik in there. I know you want to see it. Bad. Really bad. I'd love to see it too. I I don't think there's a Pac fan that doesn't want to see Malik take the field in a Nevada uniform and kind of showcase his talent. Do you think
0: it rests on Carson's shoulders for our offensive woes? Because he does have five turnovers in just the last two games after going turnover free against Purdue. I mean, G- granted those are a couple two really hard games to start off your college careers yeah. at Purdue and Oregon but
1: definitely um it's tough because you know the offense is kind of dictated by their quarterback and you know when they're not playing well it's everyone kind of points fingers at the quarterback especially being a young quarterback you know he's you know 18 19 year old kid uh 20 year old kid you know he's just out here trying to play some football but um, that's kind of the limelight and the pressure you take on with being the quarterback. I don't think you can put all of the offensive woes on Carson. I think you can definitely put some of them. I'm not going right. you know, to take it easy on him by any means, but I think it's kind of well spread out throughout the offense between the offensive line, maybe some of the running backs' issues. Not issues, but you know not being able to kind of punch the ball for a couple yards when we really need to. And yeah, then,
0: our running backs have been been starting off pretty slow. Yeah, yeah. They, they've had some issues that I mean, they got it together, but they've had some issues.
1: Yeah. And then you have Carson throwing a I think he threw three interceptions at Oregon, if I'm not mistaken, two, three, yeah. and then, and then two, two, yeah. two against Weber State. Yeah. Um, just really tough to see for a young kid. But, Definitely. Uh, we obviously want the best for him and want to yeah. see him kind of take off this week. And I think even though we did say it last week as well, I think we kind of both underestimated the Weber State defense yeah. and how well they would be playing. Um, but against UTEP, I don't think there's a lot of uh, underestimating to do here.
0: Yeah, that that was a really good defense. I personally did underestimate Weber State, and um, I wasn't there for that game. I was actually back home. My dad was like, who's Weber State? Why is it such a hard game? I was like, I'm telling you, this team is good. This is a good FCS school. You know, this isn't just a mess around school, but... You know what, I think um, Carson is going to have a big game. We have Romeo Dubs that is expected to come back, which is great news. Another wide receiver, another tool that he can use. Caleb Fossum's coming off his best game yet, like you predicted. They should have a big day against this struggling UTEP secondary. But on our defense side of the ball, I think we match up just as well, honestly. Our defense ranks 117th in pass defense, giving up 196 yards per game through the air. Horrible stats, just you know, totally down towards the bottom. Maybe our secondary can bounce back against UTEP, kind of make it interesting and maybe move up in the rankings a little bit, but it'll be interesting to watch. Can Daniel Brown keep his interception streak going? Three games, three INTs. Do you think he can keep it going with a fourth in the fourth game?
1: I mean, you'd love to see it. Uh, It's going to be, he's not going to have as many opportunities probably as he did first three games, but... I could definitely see it happening. I Like we kind of touched on earlier in the week, he's got kind of a ball head mentality, you know, find yeah. the ball, get ball. Yeah. And he's kind of being a ball hawk right now. And that's what you'd love to see out of uh, one of your DBs, you know, just the dude that's flying around the field trying to make plays. And I think – I don't think he keeps it going this week, but I think, you know, a couple weeks down the road, he might pick up another streak easily against yeah. one of these Mountain West teams that we keep playing. Uh, to add to your point, though, about – um, all the rankings and stuff it is disappointing to see but the fact that we're still two and one right now is also very, very impressive yeah. when we're ranking this low so i think if we can definitely turn it around it's going to be you know only up and up here for us
0: definitely yeah and we have obviously a lot of time to get these things sorted out and our young secondary to kind of figure it out even the penalties that we touched on on monday with the young o line that could be figured out all these things could be figured out i have a lot of i have a lot of faith in our coaching crew Malik Brody did not play against Weber State so that's when we saw like I mentioned Gabe Sewell he flipped that outside backer where he had 3.5 tackles for a loss Lawson Hall started middle backer he had a crazy good game actually against Weber State five solo tackles three assisted tackles and an assisted tackle for a loss so that's good that we have someone coming off the bench starting the game and having a game like that just adds to our depth Malik Brody Hopefully, we'll be back back for UTEP. I think I saw reports saying he will probably be back, which is a great sign for our defense. Ultimately, our defense stacks up nicely against their offense. I think our secondary is going to be able to relax a little bit against a team that doesn't really throw the ball as much. I don't think Daniel Brown keeps up that streak either just because of the sheer. He's not going to see a lot of passes. I don't think he's going to be able to get that fourth INT in the fourth game. The spread is fourteen and a half points, fifty-two total points. What do you do you think they're gonna cover the spread of fourteen and a half? Yeah. I think so too. I
1: think they'll cover. Neither of us are betting men, but I right. do think they'll cover. Even though I did go a two for two on our pretend betting that we I know that we did on some Monday night football, but um yeah, I think we definitely cover that fourteen point spread. I mean, against a team like this, I'd hope we would cover a fourteen point spread. Like we've been saying, this team is not good. Right. They are bottom of the bottom. Um, so I think that 14-point spread is kind of maybe kind of an insult towards Nevada that it's yeah. only 14 at this point.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah, and I see a lot of betting uh, websites. Like we said, we're not betting. We're not betting men. But I've seen a lot of betting websites saying to take that because a lot of people don't have faith in the pack right now. They're saying the pack is struggling and that they, we, they think we're only going to win by like a touchdown against a UTEP. Which is kind of crazy to think about. Do you think we are over or under the 52 point total?
1: That one's a little trickier because I could, like we both said, I could see us holding them to three or seven points. And then again, for our scoring, I could see us only scoring like 42, 45 yeah. points. Right. So I think we stay under the spread. I don't think we go, or the total. Yeah. I think it's definitely not over 52 unless somehow UTEP sneaks in a couple touchdowns in garbage time or something like that. But I definitely think it's going to be kind of an under day for the betters.
0: I think we're going to put up a lot of points. I think it's under as well. But ultimately, I think it's going to be a great day for the pack. A couple keys to the game that I have just written down real quick. We need to cut the bull crap with the O-line. All right, The union needs to get it together. That's talking about the sacks and the turnovers as well. If we cut down on turnovers, we cut down on sacks, and we actually can run the ball and utilize our best running back, Toa Tawa, instead of having him sit on the bench, I think we'll be winning the game. I think I think we'll win the game, and I think we'll win it handedly. Do you have keys to the game?
1: Yeah. Um, the play-action thing I mentioned earlier, I definitely think for our defense that's going to be a huge key is just not to fall asleep on defense. Just stay alert, stay awake, and kind of keep you know our heads in the game. For offense... I think you're you kind of hit the nail on the head. I think having a good pocket. I think the lo- or the union really needs to step up this game and give Carson a good pocket so we can just cut up this defense. Yo. I think if he does or if the union does that, Carson's gonna have a field day. Toe is gonna have a field day, and we're gonna see a lot of point score for the pack. So I think you're definitely right on that one. The union definitely needs to step up, in yeah. my opinion.
0: Do you have a score prediction, real quick, to end the segment?
1: I like, the, I like the 42-7 score prediction. I think Oof. they do sneak in a touchdown. I think it's maybe Bad comes day for Utah. Very bad day for Utah. Yeah. And I think that's what every Pac fan is hoping and kind of thinking too. But, yeah, definitely 42-7 is what I'm kind of thinking. Um, I think they do squeak in a touchdown at some point during the game. I don't think it's a garbage time touchdown. I think it will be like maybe like second quarter or something like that. Um They'll have like a momentum for a quick second, and then we get a quick seven right back. So I definitely think it's going to be a field day for the pack. Forty-two-seven, calling it right now.
0: Yeah, I I don't think we're going to score forty-two points, even though I would love it. I think I think we're going to be sitting around the thirty mark. I have us winning thirty-one to ten, but I still think we take care of business handedly. I don't. You know what? No, thirty-one to nine because I said they aren't going to score a touchdown.
1: Three so, field goals? Yes.
0: Nice. We hold them to three field goals. They do not score a touchdown. They score nine points, but definitely a good game for the pack. A couple of Mountain West football games we might want to keep an eye on this week. Utah State at San Diego State. Hmm. That'll be an interesting one. I think Utah State has that one handedly. San Diego's been eh.
1: Yeah, yeah. they haven't been playing that well this right. season.
0: So I think you and Utah State, um, they have a really, really good team. Their quarterback, I think Jordan Love, is his name. Uh, yep. Yeah, he's he's a stud. So I think Utah State will will get that one. And then Air Force at Boise State. I think we all know who's sticking that one. The uh, flagship of the Mountain West, Boise State, is gonna stomp all over Air Force at home. But just a couple Mountain West football games to keep your eye on. And then thanks for sticking with us. I know that was a little bit of a long football preview but we're just excited we're excited for saturday oh yeah oh yeah we're excited to see the pack whoop on the utep minors couple other sports to take a look at you don't want to forget about other pack sports volleyball today friday september 20th they play their first home game get out there and support virginia street gym get out there the nevada invitational takes place the pack will open up the Nevada Invitational facing Southern Utah at noon today before an evening match against Gonzaga at 7 p.m. today on Friday. And then tomorrow on Saturday, Nevada plays Cal Baptist at 1 30 p.m. So like we said before, this is a special team, guys. They are seven and two. They are looking to go ten and two on the year before conference. That would be something impressive if they go 10-2 and two before conference even starts. Junior outside hitter Kayla Afoa was named the Mountain West Defensive Player of the Week. As we stated on Monday, she helped Nevada go 3-0 at the Portland State Tournament, averaging 4.4 digs per set. Along with Afoa, Brianna Souza was named the September Student Athlete of the Month. Sydney Peterson and Daylon Burns were named the all-tournament team, with Burns being named the MVP. We got some studs on this team. Oh, yeah. Dude, they they are killing it. 7-2, studs all over the court, all tournament teams, MVP of the tournament. How do you think we're going to do uh, against Southern Utah, Gonzaga, and Kyle Baptist for the Nevada Invitational? Do we lose a game? Do we lose a game?
1: I don't think we lose a game. We might lose a few sets here and yeah. there. I right. don't think we lose a game, though. I think we do sweep this 3-0. Right. You know... Have, not having the football game on Saturday be played at Mackey right. it gives fans an excuse to go out and watch some a really good volleyball team play some, you know, tough competition. Oh yeah. But I definitely do think they squeak this out. I think they go three O. I think they start the season amazingly, you know, going into Mountain West play, having that huge morale boost. And yeah. I think, you know, they take care of business definitely here at home.
0: I think so, too. I think they're going to sweep. I don't think they're going to sweep as handedly as they did the Portland State Tournament, only losing one set the entire—that's yeah. crazy. That'll
1: be tough to replicate.
0: But I think we're still going to get three you know. I think we're going to sweep, and it's going to be a great weekend. There is, like, you're, you're right. We are at UTEP for football, so there is no reason you can't get out there Friday and Saturday at the Virginia Street Gym.
1: You know what else they can go to? What can they go to?
0: Saturday, 6 p.m., Mackey
1: Stadium. Oh, I like where this is going. We
0: got some soccer going on. We got some soccer. 1-5 to start the year, but they are back at it. UC Davis tomorrow, 6 p.m. at Mackey Stadium. This could be their turnaround game. The, right before Mountain West starts, right before that Boise State game hits, this could be the time where they steal a win and get the momentum going for the Mountain West uh, conference play. You never know. You'd hope. You would hope. And then last but not least, men's golf. Men's golf finished third in the Husky Invitational after the final round of play was canceled due to heavy rain. That's unfortunate because we probably could have got better. But you never know. The Wolfpack placed third in the 15-team field. So again, another strong showing. Again, another top three finish. Oh, yeah. Like this team is something else. After a strong second round on Monday that moved them up four spots of the leaderboard to to finish third, Nevada carded the low team score of the second round at 9-under par, which ultimately was their final score that the Pack finished at was 9-under par as a a team. Senior Sam Meek earned his first top five of the season, tying for fifth place at 5-under par. Fellow senior Tony Gill also notched a top-15 finish as he tied for 11th at 3-under. Nevada had two golfers tied for 24th place. Sam Harnd, the GOAT, and sophomore Cam Kellett tied for 24th place. And then sophomore Trey Davis tied for 40th in the 78-player field. The Pack returned to play on Monday as they host Pac-12 foe Oregon State, for the Wolfpack shootout at the Montro Golf Course. This team again is something special, man. I mean, these, these Wolfpack teams,
1: something about them. Another another great finish in a in a tough Tough tournament, and especially rain all around. I mean, it was rainy the entire time. Yeah, you know? and I like this more than the Badger Invitational only because we played a bunch of Mountain West teams in this, and That's we right. still showed out, and yeah. we still Top put three. up great scores. I think
0: we beat all the Mountain West teams. So yeah, yeah,
1: no, yeah, it's it's awesome to see you know, and them only coming back to play the beautiful Montreux Golf Course. Beautiful. site of many PGA events.
0: Barracuda. Barracuda event that's no longer being held there, but it was for a while. We did
1: have that one for a little bit. There you go. It's Um, not being held there anymore, but... Beautiful, beautiful golf course though. Um, have you got the privilege to play on it, Tyler? I have not. Montreux, uh, if you're listening, well, I would love the chance to uh, play at your golf course. Just hit me up. My DMs are always open. Yeah, we we know that the Mantra, uh golf people listen
0: to this uh, podcast all the time. So.
1: I would hope so. Just, I, all I need is one. Uh, but yeah, no golf. Super strong showing again. I think they just keep getting better and better. And we have, and the good thing is that we have different people stepping up yeah. every week, right. every tournament. Um it's really good to see that so it's really kind of a combined team effort if you know Sam definitely didn't have the um week or the uh, weekend that he was probably hoping right. for but then we have a couple seniors stepping up Right
0: so Sam didn't have the weekend but then Sam cuz they're both named Sam see what I did there Oh yeah See Sam nice. Sam Meek had a really good tournament but Sam Harned didn't do so hot so it's kind of like a flip flop but yeah I, I agree with what you're saying we uh, we can have different people step up and actually you know lead this team To another top three finish, which is always nice. And I think that is it for the episode. Make sure to tune in Sunday on Twitter. Yep. 1 p.m. I have my alarm set and everything.
1: 1 p.m. Pacific
0: time. Pacific time. We will have our polls open for the Pack Player of the Week. So get out and make sure you vote in our poll, and we will be able to announce that the following day on Monday. Tyler, any last thoughts before we wrap this thing up? Let's go beat down on the miners. Oh, yeah. UTEP miners are going down, no doubt about it, Saturday at 5. If you don't make the trip out to El Paso, we do not blame you. It's going to be on ESPN3, though, so make sure you tune in on ESPN3 and tune in Sunday at 1 for Pack Player of the Week. Thank you guys so much for listening and giving us your time, and go Pack.